Amen. Good evening, everybody. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Nice to see you all. Would you like to sit down? Then be my guest. Let's make it easy, right? So, hey, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for coming. I'm delighted that you're here with us to celebrate Christmas. I pray for you and my wish for you is that you have a a life-transforming celebration of Christ this year. Whether that starts right now and just goes through tomorrow or however that looks for you, I just, I pray that Jesus would come into your life in such a way that he would just absolutely change the things that go on for you and your focus, your faith, those kinds of things, right? That's my prayer for you. And so I'm glad you're here. Did you notice that all the songs that we're singing, uh, they, they all, they're all like baby songs. Did you notice that? There's, well, it's about Chris, it's about Jesus, right? It's about, they're all baby songs. And it just reminds me. Have I told you that I'm going to become a grandpa? Did I tell you that yet? Because I'm not really sure I've told you that yet. I'm going to be a grandpa. Yeah, how about that? It's exciting. And so everyone who's already a grandpa, they all, or a grandma, they all tell me the same thing. They go, it's the best thing ever. It is way better than kids. (laughs) Like, who knew? And look at you. How many of you are kids of somebody? Yeah, see, grandchildren are way better than that. That's what everybody says, even when I don't ask them. I don't solicit this kind of stuff. They just come tell me. It's better, like that. It's like, okay, well, that's pretty cool. So I'm going to be a grandfather in April, end of April. My oldest daughter, older daughter, is going to have her firstborn, and it's going to be our firstborn grandchild. And I'm so excited about it, you know, and all the stuff gets to get, that gets to happen with that. And uh, so my children were all around our house. They were all in our house for Thanksgiving, and uh, so my daughters, both daughters, my son, sons-in-law, we're all together for Thanksgiving. And my older daughter, she shows up to this party we're having for Thanksgiving, and she's got this beautiful baby bump going on. Right? I'm like, that's, that's awesome. It's like, that, that look, looks real. <laughs> Who knew, right? So we found out in September that she's going to have a baby. We didn't see her again until Thanksgiving. She got this thing going on out here. It's like, this is fantastic. And when we got done with the whole Thanksgiving weekend together, my older daughter was standing here. She's about ready to leave with her husband. And then my son and my other daughter and I were all standing next to her, getting ready to hug her and to say goodbye. And apparently the three of us were uh, saying goodbye by looking at her tummy, (laughs) you know, as awkwardly as only a family can do, right? And so we're looking at her tummy and she just goes, would you like to touch it? Without, you know, in unison, we're like, yeah. She goes, okay, well, go ahead. So we all put our our hand on her tummy. And as soon as I touched her little baby bump, I giggled a little bit. And then I jumped back. And she goes, well, that is not the response I expected. I said, that's not the response I expected either. It's been 25 years since I touched a baby bump before. And that was my wife with my youngest daughter. This is weird to me. And it's real. And who knew what that was going to feel like? Well, your grandparents, you know, but you know, I didn't know. It's real. And then I look at what I'm going through with my family and what my daughter's going through, having this child and all that stuff, and I can, I can never keep myself from going back and saying, well, what was that like? What was that like for Joseph and Mary? Because they went through this process, right? They, they went through that. What, what was it like for them? Because it became real for them real fast. What was that like for them? There are a few places in the Bible in the New Testament where it describes the story or tells the story of Jesus entering, in, entering into this world. And one of those little places where it describes his coming is sort of a theological statement. It's sort of, instead of the story, it's more of a theological statement about what happened. And I want to read that for you uh, here for just a moment. So John chapter 1 verse 14 says this, 
the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. That's the Christmas story right there in a theological perspective. And I want to land this on the first four words. The word became flesh. And when it uses that phrase, the word, that's a name for Jesus. So here's the son of God. He became flesh. The creator of the universe became flesh. The creator of the universe suddenly had a heartbeat. And he never had a heartbeat before. God is spirit. He has no heartbeat. And suddenly Jesus comes into the world and the creator of the universe has a heartbeat. And there is, excuse me, there is something about a heartbeat. Something about a heartbeat that connects us with one another. There's something about a heartbeat, a human heartbeat that says there's life there and I can connect with that life there. And I know all kinds of animals have hearts and all kinds of animals have heartbeats. But there's something about a human heartbeat that just reaches out and touches us. And here the Son of God comes into this world. He becomes flesh. He takes a heartbeat. And it changes everything. My daughter and her husband got to hear that baby's heartbeat at 10 weeks. Like That's got to be fascinating. And I haven't been able to hear the heartbeat yet. Touched the bump. I haven't heard the heartbeat. And, uh, but they got to hear it about 10 weeks. But God heard it before that. God was the first one to hear the baby's heartbeat. What was it like when God heard my grandbaby's heartbeat? And what was it like when God heard your heartbeat, when God was the first one to hear your heartbeat? What was that like? And what was it like when God in heaven heard the heartbeat of Jesus for the first time? What was that like? Something about a heartbeat. And what does it mean that Jesus has a heartbeat? Does that mean that he feels everything we feel? Does that mean that Jesus has heartbeat moments like we have heartbeat moments in our lives? Is that what it means? Is that what it looks like? Is that what it feels like? Did anybody here see the movie Inside Out? Raise Let's do interactive. Tell me if you saw Inside Out. Yeah, okay. Oh, so lots of you scattered throughout the rooms. You can, you can explain it to the person next to you if they're not raising your hand. So, um, so Inside Out, it's a little Pixar film, and uh, it's all about what happens in human emotions. It's all about what happens inside here, or as they call it, the headquarters. And so there's, there's these five crucial emotions that Pixar picked out, and apparently they decided these are like, the, you know, they researched this stuff. These are like the top five most important emotions that human beings experience. And so if you saw the movie, you remember, but if if you didn't see it, here's what they are. They said the top five emotions for human beings are joy and sadness and fear and disgust. Who knew that was one of the top five? I, I didn't know. I found out later they only put that one in because it keeps elementary school boys' attention to have something disgusting in the film. So disgust. And the last one is anger, joy, sadness, Fear, disgust, and anger, those five. Now, I wonder if Jesus Christ came into this world and he became flesh, and that means he had a heartbeat and he felt things. I wonder if you could read the story of Jesus' birth through the lens of inside out. Through the lens of joy and sadness and fear and disgust and anger. Could you do that? Because sometimes when you read the stories in the Bible, don't you notice they're, they're sort of 
sometimes two-dimensional. Like you got to sort of read between the lines to figure out what's it feel like and what's going on here. And so let me read for you one of the accounts of the coming of Jesus into this world. And then, then let's look at it through the lens of those five emotions. Here's the story. It's found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. It says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth was Mary's cousin. In the sixth month of her pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. All right, let's just stop right there, and let's just see if we can go back and, and put some emotion to this story, and maybe those, those top five emotions that Pixar told us about, all right? So, so Mary is entering into a heartbeat moment. She's about to get married. Now, what's the emotion for young ladies when they're about to get married? Are you sure? I got three joys. Anybody want to dispute that? Yeah, oh, yeah, so I'm, I'm like Joy. I think Joy is the, is the number one emotion for a young woman getting married, except this was an arranged marriage. Now, what's the emotion? Fear, also known as terror. But we'll go with fear, because that's Pixar's way of kind of setting this up. So, so she's afraid, but the angel comes in and he says, Hail or greetings, you who are highly favored. And then the Bible says, And Mary was greatly troubled. What's that? Greatly troubled, greatly troubled. No, you only get five choices. Don't throw, don't throw disturbed at me. <laughs> let's just go with let's just go with fear again. I know it's limited somewhat, but, and, and, you know, some of you have a greater handle on your emotions than just five, but, you know, trust me, most of the men don't even know they have five emotions, so <laughs> hang with me on this. All right, so, greetings, you who are highly favored, and you are troubled, and she's fearful, and the angel says to her, don't be afraid, but they always say that. It's like, how can you make anything out of an angel if he always says, don't be afraid? But that's what he says, don't be afraid, and then he says, uh, you're going to conceive a son, a son. What's that? Joy. A guy got a joy and a half on that. So uh, I was in the office. I was up in the office upstairs uh, when my daughter called me earlier this month. When she told us back in September that she's going to have a baby, she didn't know what kind of baby it was going to be. Like, like what gender, you know? <laughs> and, and so we had to wait till the beginning of December to find out what kind of baby this is going to be. So I was up in the office, and I get a phone call in the middle of the afternoon from my daughter. I'm like, oh, you know, what's going on? Except I knew she was about to hear what it was. So she calls up. She goes, Dad, it's a boy. And so I go running through the office. It's a boy. It's a boy. I was like, what's going on? It's a boy. And then I stopped. And I'm like, well, wait. What would I feel if it's a girl? It's a girl. It's a girl. It doesn't matter. It's awesome. So exciting. So, they, so the angel says to Mary, he's like, it's a boy. She's like, oh, that's joy. That's the emotion. Really, really cool. And then, and then, the, and then she goes, yeah, but I was going to go to the prom this year. 
It's not going to look good. And then now she's got sadness going on. Then the angel says, yeah, but he's going to be great, and that's joy, and he's going to be called the son of the most high, and that's joy, but that's fear, and now it's confusion, but that wasn't in the story. And then there's the unwritten part of the story. Right? Then there's the unwritten part where Mary starts asking herself, yeah, but what are people going to say? There's a whole Christmas carol that's written about Mary's worry about the gospel about other people. You know in that song? Did you hear what I hear? <laughs> I even sang it to you and everything. You see. Now I have sadness. No, she's like, yeah, but what are people, what are people going to say? What's Joseph going to say? And, what's, and what are, what's my mom going to say? And worse than that, what's my dad going to say? She's like, I don't even know what I'm going to say. God goes, listen to what I say. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> then there's, and then there's the part that's kind of simmering underneath the table, this little anger part that's under the table because the gospel writer Matthew tells us that Joseph, when he heard about this, he had made a decision. He was engaged to marry, but in that generation, to be engaged was like being married and sort of break that off, took an act of law like a divorce. And so he decided he was going to divorce her quietly. He's like, I'm done with this girl. And anger is simmering underneath the story. All the emotions, except disgust, but that comes in in other parts of Jesus' story with different things. That's an, that's. Come back for Easter. We'll talk about that. <laughs> the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The son of God took on a heartbeat to be where we are, to feel what we feel, to make a way for us to be connected with our father in heaven. What do you think happened when a heartbeat moment came into Jesus' life that raised his pulse? You ever get so excited in your life that your pulse goes up, you know, and then and your heart goes faster and all that goes on with that? Does that ever happen to you, a, kind of a heartbeat kind of moment? I wonder what those were for Jesus where it created a heartbeat moment for him that made his pulse race, like maybe the first time he had to give a speech in middle school. You know, maybe he's thinking, I've got to prepare for the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to give this great sermon someday. I've, I've got to practice. Maybe that made his heart rate go up. Maybe when he told his first joke. A priest and a, ra and a rabbi went into a synagogue. You finish it. You'll make it more funny. Maybe when he experienced his first temptation. Maybe, that's, maybe that was a heartbeat moment. Because the Bible said Jesus didn't feel everything that we feel. He didn't feel shame. He didn't feel guilt. But the Bible does say that he experienced every temptation that we experience. Maybe not in exactly the same ways. Jesus was never tempted to speed in his Ferrari. But he was tempted to use power badly. He was tempted in every way like we are. And maybe when that first pang of temptation came on, it raised his heartbeat. Because the word became flesh and lived among us. And sometimes maybe his pulse slowed. Maybe when he rested on the Sabbath day, his pulse went down. Maybe when he listened to music. Maybe when he prayed. Jesus had heartbeat moments because he had a heart, because he had a heartbeat. 
He felt things. We have heartbeat moments, right? Like when the kings go into overtime. Yeah, we have heartbeat moments. Like when you get to see the sonogram of your baby's heartbeat before the baby's born, that's a heartbeat moment by definition. Or when you see your child take their first steps, that's a heartbeat moment. Or later on in life when a young man says to a young woman, will you marry me? And the young woman says, Heartbeat moments. Jesus had a heartbeat moment, I believe, the very first time he told the story of the prodigal son. There must have been some amazing joy in his heart when he told the story of how much the father loves the people of this world. Jesus had a heartbeat moment of sadness when he stood next to the grave of his friend Lazarus who had died. And he felt felt the same sorrow we feel. Jesus felt fear when they led him into the palace of Pilate before they crucified him. And some may say, no, 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 Jesus wasn't afraid of human rulers. His father was the king of the universe. Yeah, except the story says when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he knew that crucifixion piece was coming, he prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. That's a statement of fear, real fear, human fear. And Jesus felt that. We have heartbeat moments. Some of them are joy-filled. Some of them not so much. We remember what we felt when the Twin Towers fell down. We remember what we felt when we heard about the attacks recently in Paris and when we heard about San Bernardino. We know what we felt. We remember what we felt that last day when we said goodbye to our mom for the last time. Or when we didn't get a chance to say goodbye. Heartbeat moments. What are your heartbeat moments at Christmas this year? Maybe you, have the, maybe you have the heartbeat of joy going on in your life because you got your family together. You've been having parties throughout the Christmas season. It's so fun. It just brings joy into our life. It's so beautiful. Maybe you have the heartbeat of disgust in your life because all you can think about is Cousin Eddie and that eggnog event. Maybe you have a heartbeat of anger because there's no peace in this world. Maybe you have a heartbeat of fear for what's coming next or next year. Or maybe you have a heartbeat of sadness because of losses that you've suffered in the last year and this is the first holiday season without someone. Or maybe it's been 20 years but they passed away during the holiday season and every year it comes back around. That's a heartbeat moment. I, I changed out my operating system on my computer a few weeks ago. And I'm not an expert at this kind of thing, so my settings got messed up. 
And, uh, you know, you, you have a screensaver on your monitor, and you have, I think it's called wallpaper behind that somewhere. And uh, I was working up in the office, and I had my, uh, my computer on. I had all these windows open of stuff that I was working on. And then all of a sudden, uh, my picture behind all those windows changed. But all I could see was kind of the border around the edges, and I couldn't remember what picture that was. And so I closed all the windows off my computer screen, and there I was looking at a picture of my mom on her last day of life. And without my permission, my computer took me right back to a heartbeat moment. Every heartbeat moment you have is a reminder that you are human. And every heartbeat moment that you have is a story about a desired connection between you and God. But all those emotions sort of conspire against us after a while to remind us that we are not so connected to God as we wished. And when we feel that, and when we think that, the story of Christmas is an invitation to come back to Jesus and say, Jesus' heart beats for that. When you have anger going on in here, Jesus' heart beats for that. When you have fear going on in here, Jesus' heart beats for that. When you have joy, you're celebrating life, Jesus' heart beats for that. When you have sorrow, sadness in your life, Jesus' heart beats for that. And every heartbeat of Jesus is designed to remind you that the reason he came into this world was to build a bridge between you and God, from whom we get disconnected. You'll find if you read the story of Jesus that Jesus died because he allowed, his love for you allowed his heart to stop. When they nailed him to a cross, he didn't die because they put him on a cross. He could have died of blood loss. He could have died of suffocation, but he died because he allowed his heart to stop beating because he loved you so much. And so when you come to the Christmas holiday and you hear the story of Jesus again and you hear it through the emotional lens that's there, realize Jesus came to connect you with God and to let your heart beat with his. And that's what Christmas is for. And there are a lot of people in the room, of course, today who said, oh, Jesus, I'm in. That's what I need exactly. You are exactly what I need. I get it. And many of you have crossed, what I would say, you crossed the line of faith. You, you were living over here away from God, separate from God, but you crossed the line of faith through Jesus, and you've been connected to him. And Christmas for you is a celebration of everything Jesus has done for you. But probably in a room with this many people, there are some who would say, yeah, but I'm still disconnected from God. I mean, we're all lucky the building didn't fall down when I walked in today. And some of you are like, well, how do I get connected to God then? If Jesus is the one, how do I get connected to God through him? We try and boil it down into a simple explanation here at Lakeside by using what we call the ABCs of faith. Three words, 
for A, B, and C. They just describe this is the way that you connect with Jesus' heartbeat, and he connects you to God. It goes like this. The A stands for admit. I admit that my own sin, my own choices have kept me separated from God, and I need a Savior. I can't do this on my own. I can't get to God on my own because my heart is broken. I admit that. B says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the only Savior that God has sent. I believe that. And C says, I choose. I choose to follow Jesus Christ by faith. And when I choose that, when I exercise that gift of free will that Jesus gave me, when I choose him, he says yes. And he builds a bridge between God the Father and me. And that's real. And that's what Jesus came to do. And if you look at your life, you go, well, that's what I need. Then just tell them that. You can tell them that right where you are. That becomes step one in a brand new life, in a brand new journey. Just tell him. He'll say yes to you. That's his promise. Jesus, thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. We love you. We're grateful to you for all that you've done. Lord, I imagine there are some in the room today that are praying a prayer to you, maybe for the very first time ever, to say, Jesus, I need you, and I choose you by faith. Give me a connection to God. Give me life. Jesus, would you hear their prayer and say yes, like you promised? And Jesus, be honored by our celebration of you during this Christmas season. We love you. Amen.